Hello and welcome to Carefully Taught, teaching musical theater with Maddie and Kikau. A podcast to discuss musical theater pedagogy and to create a community of sharing amongst musical theater educators. My name is Matthew Teague Miller, but everybody calls me Maddie, and my pronouns are he, him, his. And my name is Kikau Alvaro, and my pronouns are he, him, his. Kikau, we have a podcast. We did it. Can you believe it? This is so exciting. We've been talking about this for so, so long. Exciting. How are you? I am well. How are you? Uh, is it too early for a tangent? Because uh, I, can, I can tangent already, right? Yeah, go for it. So I, as you can see from my background, uh, I'm not, I, my background is different. I have moved my office back to school, which, which is like this strange bizarre sensation that uh, I moved everything over yesterday and and as happy as I am to not be in my makeshift home office in my bedroom where I've been teaching class and having Zoom meetings for the past 18 months, uh, as happy as I am to not be there, it's like this strange... I brought everything over yesterday uh, and it was a Saturday, so like um, there was there was no... there was nobody here and it was like... I don't know if you've experienced this before, but it was like that feeling of going back to your your high school mm-hmm. where, like, um, you haven't been for a long time, but you have a lot of memories, and you walk down the hall, and you're like, wow, it it feels the same, but it feels so different, and oh, that's where I saw so-and-so, and that's where I saw so I mean, because I, I know that you have done some things in, in person over the last year and a half, but, like... I in the state of California, I haven't even been allowed to be on campus. Like my the I'm looking at my the the calendar on my wall. It still says February 2020. Um, so <laughs> it is just a a bizarre sensation. Uh, and I can I can already tell that this semester is going to be really really strange. But uh, I'm happy to be back. <laughs> so so wild. I know. Uh, just so that everyone gets a background of obviously they could read our bios, but where do you teach and 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 what um, and just to answer that question you will be fully back yeah Is that right great thank you so um, I am the musical theater coordinator at California State University Chico uh, most people call it Chico State and um, the plan right now is to be fully back in person and the uh, because all of the students faculty and staff the the state of California has, required vaccinations for for all of us. So that's the plan. Up until about a week ago, the plan was to do it without masks. Now with the Delta variant, uh, we're doing it with masks. Everything continues to change. So we'll see if we make it through the semester. But that's that's the plan moving forward, uh, which will be different. <laughs> yeah. If anything that we learned from from this last year is that ability to adapt and to change and to, to, you know, make it all work. Um, I, I just did a, an audition situation yesterday and it was all in masks, which I was a little worried about, but it actually turned out great. So I think it's fun for our listeners, I think, to, um, kind of be with us, be in touch with us with this kind of stuff, because I know that, that all of it might switch. Yeah. So, uh, again, I, I went on our first tangent before we even really introduced this podcast. Uh, the purpose of the podcast, this first episode today in uh, semester one, not season one, we're calling this semester one, uh, is 
that was Kiko's idea, so he gets full credit <laughs> on that, uh, is, is just to, to introduce what this podcast is going to be, uh, why are we doing it, why did we choose the title, and then uh, we're going to uh, try out our, our interview questions on one another so that our listeners can get to know us a little bit better, but also kind of get to know the format that we're going to attempt for, for Carefully Taught, the podcast. So I guess I'll start with you. Why, why, why a podcast? Everybody and their mother has a podcast now. Why does the internet, why in the world does the internet need another podcast? I think, uh, you know, you and I have discussed this a, a bunch, but I think that, uh, first of all, I am a huge fan of podcasts. Um, I go on dog walks, you know, uh, our dog, uh, Bognus, we, we go on long walks and it's just the first thing I, I turn on. I make sure that there's something happening in my ear, be it an audio book, um, or one of the podcasts I'm listening to. So I really see the, um, podcast industry as one that is absolutely growing and one that um that i i think that there is space for educators there is space for musical theater people but what i have yet to see is really that um musical theater educators um conversation happening so um i'm interested in um being a host of a co-host of uh, a podcast that I would listen to, that I would need, um, that I would find interesting. That's really where we where we are. Right. Like they always say, uh, you know, we academics, uh, they always tell us, write the book that you need for your class. Um, and this is the podcast that we need for, for our, our job. So for me, uh, one, it's just a great opportunity to connect with you, who I love and I respect. I mean, for for long before the pandemic, when everybody seemed to be creating their own podcast, you and I would joke because our conversations feel like podcasts. Because you're the, you're one of the two or three people that I will call when I'm dealing with something in the classroom or with a production that I'm directing, or I'll text or or whatever, and and we go back and forth because. We, uh, we learn from each other, we grow with each other, we, we respect each other. And, and so to record that and, and share it with our listeners mm-hmm. that hopefully will then participate in the conversation, because that's the real goal. This is not going to be a podcast where you and I have all the answers. It's actually going to feel more like you and I are searching for the answers and bringing everybody else along with us. Um, and, and I agree, there's, not, there's a lot of theater podcasts, there's a lot of Broadway musical theater podcasts. But there's not one that sole purpose is education. Uh, and, and I think that that's, a, that's an important field because that's the future of the industry, right? So um, I'm really excited to do this with you. And I'm, I'm, I'm honored, actually, that you would even consider it because you are somebody that I just have so much respect for. I love that, Maddie. Thank you so much. And I respect you as well. I can't wait. I actually really love that we are on separate coasts and that despite the time zone differences, we're able to come together. And I just have this vision like where, you know, we're going to go one interview at a time and and just keep adding um, people to our to our uh, tribe, to our Rolodex, to our um, community. Community, thank you so much, and um, and to just gain information from from all of them. Um, I myself 
come from uh, currently living in Richmond, Virginia, and work as a, an assistant professor of musical theater at Virginia Commonwealth University. Um, there's a little bit of transition happening there, but um, I, I am actually stepping away from that position and will be moving forward to other opportunities. Um, but I have found that in my space, there um, I am sort of in my own silo. I am the one person on my faculty um, that is a musical theater person. So um, t- for me, I am so interested in being able to plug into these other networks and to just have discussions that I can't necessarily always have with the amazing colleagues that um, are on my faculty and yeah. hopefully the ones that will be on my next faculty. Yeah, 100%. And so our goal is to have conversations specific to teaching musical theater, and that's teaching at every level. Now, you and I are both in the university sort of field, world, whatever, but, uh, you know, we'll talk about other types of education, musical theater education as well. At the high school level, I was a high school teacher for six years. I don't know if you knew that or not. I didn't. So I was a high school teacher for six years. We could talk about that. We can talk about uh, children's theater, private studios, all types of musical theater education will be discussed, and, and hopefully we'll be able to borrow from each other and steal from each other and, and share ideas. Um, and every episode, we'll be talking, uh, we'll, we'll end every episode with a recommended resource from either us or a guest that, that will enhance people's musical theater teaching. So this is really exciting. This is very exciting. I have a question for you. If um, someone is to stumble upon our podcast, uh, they might wonder, why is it called Carefully Taught? So can you give me some insight to that? Sure. So obviously, um, you and I are teachers. Uh, our, our audience, we're all teachers. And so uh, to, to de- we are deliberate in how we go about what we do. I, I think that taking care and, and being careful about how we go about doing what we do is a very important part of being in the theater. And I think for a long time, and maybe even still with some schools of thought, uh, people could be a little reckless when dealing with students, young people's emotions and and vulnerability. Standing on stage is a very vulnerable place to be. Um, And you're dealing with deep, uh, serious feelings sometimes. And so we are deliberate in how we approach that, and and so we are careful. We 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 our students are carefully taught. That that title is also obviously a, a tip of the cap to um, the the famous song in South Pacific, the Pulitzer Prize winning musical by Richard Rodgers and Oscar Hammerstein. And and while there are obvious through today's lens, there are obvious. Um, uh, let me let me go back. Through today's lens, there are obvious problems. Uh, there's a problematic uh, s- set of circumstances in some of the ways that the characters are portrayed. I mean, it feels, cur- and this is going to be an episode, I'm sure. Currently, it feels like any Golden Age musical that we do is problematic in one way or another. Uh, and that shows no different. So, d- you know, despite that, that song in particular was a progressive, forward-thinking, anti, attempting to be anti-racist uh, approach uh, or me- uh, message to, to its, its audience. I mean, that, it literally kept that show from being produced in certain parts of the country because it was considered so um, 
so against some of the uh, the oppressive ways that people were thinking. And so in its own way, even though it's problematic and Bloody Mary is a problematic character and the way that she's portrayed in a very cartoonish kind of way, and, and that's just the tip of the iceberg, uh, in its own way, it was trying to blaze a anti-racist, progressive uh, path for not only musical theater, but also um, its audiences, a path that we're still trying to blaze uh, years and years and years later. And so, you know, that's sort of the third thing that it is, is you and I aspire to be anti-racist musical theater educators that are inclusive and equitable. And so that's certainly going to be part of our conversation moving forward. I love that. And I think it just should be noted, I mean, maybe for those that might not even be familiar with the musical theater industry, but it itself is currently set ablaze, right? It is currently, changes are being made, the industry is shifting, and so it's important as educators at all of these various levels that we are also um, acknowledging those changes and preparing our students for an industry um, that... Uh, uh, has shifts on what seems to be a daily basis. Uh, What we're going to do with the rest of this episode is to try to give us a little foundation. Um, We're going to, when we have guests on the podcast, we're going to have the same handful of questions that we ask everybody. That's not, that doesn't mean we're not going to ask follow-up and, and specific things to each of our guests, but we, we're going to try to have a little structure just to keep our heads on, um, and we're going to try those out on each other just to see how it goes. And it also gives our, our listeners an opportunity to get to know us a little bit better. Kikau, do you want to ask the first question, or do you want, like, do you want to go first or second? Yeah, I, how about I ask you the first, huh? and then we'll kind of go back right. and forth. Yeah, so the first question is, why musical theater? What, what draws you to MT? Such an interesting question. I'm glad we came up with it. <laughs> you know, I started doing musicals when I was 11. And to be honest with you, I fell in love with theater before I fell in love with musical theater. And the thing that I fell in love with in theater was the community, the, 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 the people that I got to work with. I, the best friends I've, I've ever made, I've met because we've been in shows together or we're in the acting studio together, and, and the the people in theater are just my people. And to be honest, I only started doing musical theater because it's what people were producing uh, in my in my area. Um, but as I did more and more musical theater, the thing that I continued to be drawn to was just how many incredible. Uh, skill sets all collaborated to tell a story together. Like I love, it's not, and I, I don't just mean in the in the rehearsal in in the cast. I mean like um, for me as an actor, because I came at musical theater from that standpoint. I loved I love working with the cast, which you also had in theater. But then I loved having the the music director that and 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 the musicians in the pit i was i was the kid that would like go up and talk to the band before the show and and i just i just loved the different personalities and the different talents that all collaborated i loved having a choreographer there's not just one director you know sort of steering the ship but there's all of these wonderful people collaborating on it together and and it 
And there's something about um, music helping tell the story in in a musical as an audience member or as a performer or a director that it's able to connect with something deep in me that uh, that speaking alone just can't do. I'm I'm the type of person that when I hear a song, I actually hear the melody and the and the and the orchestrations before I hear the words. And there's something about a well-written musical that moves me because of what music does to me uh, in a way that other things just can't. So I don't know that what draws me to musical theater is the community, but also the, it, within the art itself, it's, it's all of the, the layers of, uh, of art that collaborate to tell the story together. Um, what about you? Do, am I supposed to ask you that question or am I supposed to ask you the next question? Yeah, I think you asked me that question. I think that's good. Yeah, um, I th- I think um, I also began theater as a performer and um, did community theater and and did children's theater as a as a young person, and uh, uh, but realized sort of pretty quickly that I was really interested in the creative process um, and and in fact even though I was primarily performing, I just had this sensation of the desire and the desire to, to choreograph and wanting to direct. And so I just knew once I found that world that I wanted to be in that world. Um, and so very similar actually to you, um, uh, to me, I think of theater and creating musical theater, um, I really do see this like empty canvas and I love the idea of as you were talking about collaborating with other people and putting something together that wasn't there before, um, having nothing and turning that into something, it just brings so much joy. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's my answer. Why musical theater? I just think, you know, it just feels like there's just nothing better. I'm one of those musical theater nerds that's like, yep, this is it. This is where art is and where art should be. Did you be. ever try to do something? This is not one of the prepared questions, but w- when you were talking, I was interested. Did you ever try to do something out? Did you ever try to get out? Did you ever try to like, you know, there's the there's the famous uh, Godfather 3 line, just when they, just when I try to get out, they suck me back in. Um, I feel that a little bit with musical theater. Have you ever tried to do other things and make a career of something else? Oh my gosh, this is so interesting. I don't think so. I think that's why all of the stars have kind of always lined up for me in terms of getting, you know, the academic positions I have and and my artistic leader position. It just, I am doing the things that my entire life have prepared me for. And, Mm -hmm. and so, um, I, I do come from a family of athletes. They all went to various schools on, on athletic scholarships and you know um one of them now is a a policeman and one is a cop and one's an accountant i mean we are like the village people but not and (laughs) i was i was the only um i was the only like artist and and so part of my just like foundational time was um 
staying in that lane, but sort of figuring out what my limits were inside of it. So, um, yes, I've, I've remained in theater, but I have evolved from performer to choreographer to associate director to director to educator, and it goes on. That's so interesting. You know, I come at theater having had uh, been in a family of, of athletes. My dad was a middle school uh, athletic director and PE teacher. We grew up playing sports, and and I was really into that. And in fact, I think in a lot of ways, what drew me to musical theater was the the feeling of being on a team and 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 that same community aspect. So that's that's interesting that you had that. Uh, you came from a family like that as well. Uh, I tried to get out of musical theater. In fact, when I started my undergraduate experience, the first two years I went to school. I was studying to be an elementary school teacher, um, which is an interesting segue into the next question that we have prepared. But I, I, I was doing early childhood education. I wanted to be an elementary school teacher. Both of my parents are teachers. Uh, my brother ended up growing up to be a, a teacher. My younger brother grew up to be a teacher as well. And, and to me, I love kids. I love learning. And so it was something that I was just trying, you know, I thought it made sense to do as a career, whereas, you know, theater to me, at the time, didn't make sense to do as a career. But as I was studying these early psychology, child psychology classes and all these things, I kept finding myself back in the theater department and auditioning and then getting roles. And then it was just like it spiraled and I couldn't not do it. Um, and, and I've several times in my life I've said, you know, uh, I'm just going to try this one thing. Uh, and if it doesn't work out, then I'll go and do something else. And that one thing has always paid off for me. So like, I've just like, yeah, it's, it's been my life. So, uh, next question you want to ask me first this time? Um, I actually asked that first question first. No, no way. Okay. So we're, you can tell how organized (laughs) we all are. We are are here at carefully taught. Uh, so then for you then why the, the second prepared question that we have is why do you teach? So you, we, we learn why you love musical theater, but why do you teach? Yeah, I think um, there is just a direct line for me between directing and and sort of running a rehearsal space and a rehearsal room, that part of the creative process, and then actually teaching um, young people and and old people and all people what um, what that actually is. I think that the passion and love I have for it just really naturally translates to, um, to teaching for me um, and to sharing expertise. Um, that was something that uh, when I was in grad school, it just sort of dawned on me. Like, I think I've been doing this thing for funsies and then here I am sort of asserting myself as like, I am going to be the expert in the room. Um, and, and sort of owning that. Right. Um, and part of that ownership is not here. I am with all the answers, but rather here I am with a lot of answers, a lot of information, but also a real curiosity about the things I don't know. Right. Just being able to, um, sort of be vulnerable in that space, uh, with each project I'm working on or each world I'm trying to build as a director educator. Um, what don't I know and how can I, how can I um, find out what those things are to sort of make the experience full and complete? Hmm. Uh, what about you? Why do you teach? Well, like I just said, I come from a family of teachers and um, in a lot of ways, I just feel like it's in my blood. Like I love, I love people. 
And and it's so interesting because I'm I'm an introvert with an extrovert's needs, which is like totally contradictory and difficult. Like like if given the opportunity, I will just hide in my house and 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 not connect with other people, but nothing feeds my heart and my spirit more than connecting with other human beings. And you do that more in teaching than than any place else. I whether they know it or not, I fall deeply in love with my students. Like I care about them on a level that is 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 really powerful for me. And and so what I love is I've got this thing, musical theater, that I I really enjoy that I was just we just talked about why. And sharing that with these people that I, I love, that's fulfilling in a way that very few things are. So, um, you know, I, I went into my undergraduate experience thinking I was going to be teaching elementary school, but um, have found a real passion uh, sharing this, this art form, this, this craft that I love with with young grown-ups. And again, I, I kept trying, it's similar to the musical theater thing because I kept trying to get out of it. Like I went to grad school and got my MFA in directing because I wanted to be an artistic director, which I was for about uh, f- uh, six years. Um, but being in the grad school setting and being an adult and not being a not being an 18-year-old in, in a university setting, I rediscovered a love for learning and 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 sharing. Um, so I went to grad school to be an artistic director, but really found a love for teaching undergraduates in, in grad school. I love it. Yeah. What is your goal or responsibility as an educator? Yeah, that's, um, I have, I come at teaching musical theater in a, in a way slightly different than some other people, because what my goal as an educator, my responsibility as an educator is to get to know each individual student and what their hopes and dreams are in musical theater or out, even outside of musical theater and inspire them uh, to be the best version of themselves that they can be. So, you know, I I will never place my my uh, success as a teacher on how many students I have working on Broadway, because I don't think that that's the only way to be successful in this industry. There are so many ways that you can have a career and a life in musical theater beyond that. And so what I really, my responsibility is to, to help students unlock their definition of success and then give them the tools that they need to be successful in that area, which is a lot more work than, you know, a cookie cutter, this is what you do to be successful. But to me, because I fall deeply in love with my students, that's that's what I try to do. And that's my what I think my responsibility is. What about you? What is your your responsibility as an uh, an educator? I think this is this one's interesting because the the industry of musical theater is shifting. It's constantly changing. And and I feel like I would have answered this maybe a different way a few weeks ago. Um, but I think what is at the center of my responsibility and and the goal that I want to sort of um, push forward as an educator is to to be as truthful as possible, to bring truth to whatever it is we are talking about or focusing on. So it sort of jumps into your answer a bit about um, talking about what what 
the student really wants to do? Like, what do they really, really want to do? What are they really passionate about? Um, it also speaks to my own interest in, in, um, connecting and bringing vulnerability, talking about my own truth with my own life and career. Um, and, and then also bringing truth into, um, their performance. And, um, so there's just some, a theme there that I'm just called to right now to speak about, which is, um, um, bringing forward everything that I know is true and, and hoping that the student then can um, take that or leave it, right? Here is what's, here is what's happening for me right now, and um, here is how I'm responding to uh, this particular topic, and I'm, I'm in modeling uh, sort of that open, vulnerable space. I'm hoping that the student jumps on that and, and learns from it. I love that. So um, the next question, do I get to ask? I get to ask the next question, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the next question that we're going to ask everybody, and I love this question because it's where we're really going to learn people's secret uh, tips and, and, and tricks that they, that they use. So the question is, what is one thing you do as a musical theater educator that nobody else does? Yeah, this one's fun. I mean, I... Uh... As we will hear other people answer this question, you know, it, it, the, the technique of musical theater has been passed on from generations. And, and, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we are the experts of these things. But gosh, what is the thing that we I do that no one else does? Um, there is an activity that I, I have sometimes used. I am a... Uh, ravenous fan of RuPaul's Drag Race and um, the lip sync for their lives or for their legacy, depending on which um, we're talking about. Um, but, but the reason why I love these lip syncs is that the performers who are really at the top of their game are truly embodying the music. They're embodying perhaps the original performer. They're bringing to it a physicality that, that you might not even expect with their turns, their leaps, their drops to the floor. So I incorporate that into um, when I'm teaching pop rock musical styles um, in the sense that uh, before they perhaps sing um, a, a Whitney Houston song, I have them, uh, we play uh, out loud, I want to dance with somebody, and we just listen to the orchestration, we listen to the way that, that Whitney, um, as an example, um, sort of starts the song. Um, I sometimes have them physicalize that, like what does this song make you want to do? This is before they even perform it once. Um, and then, with uh, an accompanist, um, we explore the song, right? So then we have as much information as possible just seconds before they've performed it. Um, part of that has to do with the expectation that an audience or an auditor might have with a song. If someone says, oh, I'm going to sing, um, I want to dance with somebody, There's, I'm expecting something because I've heard how that song begins. I've heard what that song is. So um, just a fun little technique that I do to, to um, bring their performance to life immediately. Um, this is not to say I don't want them to interpret 
this material on their own in their own way. Um, but I do want them to bring all of the energy and all of the, the spirit that the song sort of requires from them. Um, what is your answer to this? So um, I'm a big believer in the, uh, the growth mindset uh, based or f- stemming from Dr. Carol Dweck's book, The Growth Mindset, which uh, tries to explain or investigates or really, I think, exposes the fact that the most successful people in the world are the, not the people that are focused on the results of what they do, but instead enjoy the process of learning and, and growing through what they do. And so personally, that's something that when I read that book five years ago, and ultimately I did a presentation at uh, one of the Musical Theater Educators Alliance conferences on this very thing with my colleague, David Coolidge, like I, it, to me, it's inspiring. It's how I try to parent. It's how I try to live. And so it's also how I try to teach. And so I actually introduced the growth mindset in the very first class my students take their freshman semester, fall, fall of their freshman semester. And it is baked in, that philosophy is baked in to the entire curriculum of our department. Uh, we talk about the growth mindset and what we're learning and what we're grow- how we're growing uh, throughout their entire eight semesters, sometimes longer, uh, here at Chico State. And it's, it's something that I think it, shifting, shifting and, and we live in a, a place, so when I say we live, I, I mean to say between our culture and our industry, we live in a place that it is very results-oriented. You audition to get a job. You don't audition because of what you experience when you get to audition, right? So, uh, or and even our students, we, we take a class to get a grade, not to actually learn. So if you can shift your mindset and really embrace this idea of everything I do, I'm growing and I'm learning, learning and each challenge that I have is an opportunity for growth, not just an opportunity to either have success or fail. If you can have that mindset, uh, I find it a, a very powerful shift in how we think and how we ultimately uh, succeed in, in what we do. So that's something that I do that that I don't think anybody else does. I love that. I love that. Um, okay. Uh, and then this question, what is our responsibility as musical theater educators to change or affect the professional industry as we know it, to teach students how to work in the industry, to change the industry? Is it our responsibility to work within the industry? This is a powerful question, uh, that I have a lot of thoughts on and it continue, they continue to evolve. I, I mean, because my focus is to help students unlock their own goals, their own potential, my answer to this question is, is that my responsibility is to teach students how the industry should look, how the industry should interact with the world, and then give them the tools to make their own decisions and then fly like little baby birds uh, out of the nest. Um, that said, I, I, don't, I don't think that it's, this is something I struggle with, but I don't think it's my responsibility to control their outcome. This is a very growth mindset, but to control the outcome of what they do with those tools, because I can't. Ultimately, students are going to do with what I give them. They're going to do whatever they want. Uh, but 
my goal is to plant a seed um, and, and, uh, and hopefully they'll grow into whatever plant, tree, I don't know. I lost the analogy, but to, to grow into what they, they want to be and what they, how they deem success. So what about you? What, what, is, what do you think our responsibility as musical theater educators is? Is it to change or affect the professional industry or to teach students how to work uh, within it as it stands now? Yeah, there's, this, is, this is such a great um, question that I'm excited to hear some of our guests answer. Um, because like I was mentioning, I, I, you know, this industry has shifted so much. So it's like, how do you hit that moving target? Right. This sort of goes back to my concept about just being as honest and truthful as possible. Um, to some degree that sounds like the pageant answer, but right. That is sort of part of this. Um, I think we just, we have to, um, we have to assess and reassess to, to some degree, uh, minute to minute, right? Uh, I think the ultimate goal to some degree is to have one of our students be able to have the, the skill set to work on a brand new piece of musical theater. I, I use that as an example to say that I, I, I want them to be able to have the skill set to um, read sheet music that they've never seen before, to create characters that they've never seen someone else perform and um, to really bring themselves and their authenticity into the space. Um, and in order to do that, we have to work on multiple things, multiple levels, which is, of course, all of the skills that musical theater takes, but also um, have conversations um, that might sound like the kinds of conversations you would have with a therapist or with a friend or with a um, with another colleague, another collaborator. So in terms of changing or shifting the industry, it, it really does begin um in the classroom, it begins with being honest with each other about where things are and how things are, are moving. And then it, uh, as you were mentioning, begins with um, conversations with their own goals they might have for themselves and how they could sort of fit into it. Um, I think now with all of the hyphenates, as we're discussing um, actors who also have interests in becoming directors or actor uh, uh, playwrights, actor dancers, um, that the industry is going to continue to evolve and and what we need to do is just continue to make space for any of these possibilities as they're entering the uh, the industry. It's hard though, right? I mean that's I agree with you hundred percent and but like let's let's use the concept of type for uh, uh, as an example. I uh, said so, uh, you know I like I as a director, whether it's at my university or when I freelance as a professional out of outside the industry, I really believe in uh, casting people because of their spirit, because of their spark, because of, of who they are as a human being and, and, you know, connecting to the characters that I'm casting. That's what I do. That's what I practice. But there are still casting directors and directors out in the world that are going to cast you based on your type, quote unquote, I did air quotes, our audience can't see that, <laughs> and, and what they look like. So I struggle with whether or not I should be teaching students about that type or so that they're prepared when they come into one of those, those audition rooms or if, I should, if my responsibility is just to teach them the ideal of, of how things should work. Um, 
I don't know. Do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think um, it, it needs to sort of be a combination of both, yeah. right? Like yeah. you are going to encounter people who see it this way, dot, dot, dot. But but just know that um, that sometimes you have to make space for yourself, right? right. I have t- a lot of students um, who, you know, identify with uh, the global majority who have cried in my office, who have said, I just don't think that I could sing Sarah in, in Guys and Dolls. And it's like, that's, that's um, not up to you <laughs> to, in, in our time now to, to make you don't don't not cast yourself in something that that you might be perfect for, right? Part of our time with them is about exploration. So let's make the space for that kind of exploration to sing things that we wouldn't necessarily normally sing um, or to perhaps um, have the key of a song change so that we can feel what it feels like to be inside of inside of that space. And then um, when those students interact with the people in the industry that are that have these blinders up to seeing them as anything else, they're able to um, hit that glass window and and knock down the doors and walls to, to sort of assert their um, talent and to assert their gifts. And I think another part of our responsibility is to teach our students that they are empowered to choose not to work with those people that have those blinders on if they don't want to, like, you know, I, I think that that's another thing that I'm really coming to terms with. Because when we grew up, it was like you did whatever the directors asked you to do because you were replaceable. But you know what? We have agency, too. We have power, too. And I think it's really important that we teach our students that as well. Um, so let's shift gears because we want to we want the the very last thing that we're going to do with every episode is make a we're going to recommend a resource to our our audience something that can enhance them and their experience as a musical theater educator sometimes it'll be a book it'll be a, a, a podcast it'll be a movie it'll be an organization there's all kinds of things we'll we and our 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 guests will will recommend. So this week, because it's our first time, just to demonstrate, um, let's both make a recommendation to uh, for a resource to our to our audience. Would would you like to go first? Uh, sure, I, I think it would be great as we are launching our um, podcast to actually. For, for my recommendation this time around is going to be another podcast, um, just to sort of uh, embrace all of the amazing work that um, some of our good friends are doing. There's a podcast uh, called Studying the Song. Uh, this is by Corey Yamaoka. She is uh, a fellow SDSU musical theater MFA graduate. Just a little and plug. Yeah, just a little plug. Um, and she uh, has has done an amazing job putting together um, resources and having conversations that are about uh, the voice, that are about choosing audition material. Um, some of my favorite episodes have been the ones where she breaks down a show, for example, let's say six, and she literally goes song by song, um, and she talks about and teaches and educates um, about uh, where that song, where the idea of that song comes from, what 
perhaps inspired that song and then um, allows the listener to then make connections and go, oh, okay, maybe for this, if I'm going to audition for this show, I'm going to sing a Britney Spears song because it's sort of in the same style of or, or style as. And, and I um, am a student always at heart, even though I am a teacher, I'm a student. And she Growth is just mindset. somebody... Yes, 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 yes. Um, and um, I've actually had Corey come and work with my students. Um, she did a little workshop and and um, I had students do audition material for her. Um, and then in response, she not only gave some quick feedback on that choice, um, but then actually gave them additional songs. Here are some songs that you might that are similar or that, that really do fit what you're trying to do with this particular call. So um, studying the song Koryama Oka available on all of the uh, podcast platforms. And it really what's is. Yours? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll just quickly say that thanks to you that really uh, I've been listening as well. It really is a wonderful podcast that I'm there's a couple of episodes that she has that I'm going to have be quote unquote required reading for my students because she yes. breaks things down in a way that I think uh, it's different, a different approach than than I, and that's so important for students to hear uh, another point of view. So, my uh, my recommendation is also a podcast, um, "Breaking the Fourth Wall" with Ashley and Tim Espinosa is a, a fantastic po- podcast by uh, some friends of ours uh, that we know quite well. That uh, they have a slightly different focus than than ours they certainly talk about musical theater education but their their focus is uh on reinventing the musical theater industry in a more inclusive and anti-racist way um so it's not just about how to teach but it's uh you know it's for performers it's for producers it's for directors it's for musical theater fans uh so a, a, a wider scope than than what we have but they have had such wonderful and inspiring conversations on on their show and that and have been really blazing a trail they are activists in in the musical theater landscape that i think are are you know they're talking about the change but they're also the, those two are are really driving a lot of the change that we're seeing now as well. So I'm proud to call them them friends, and I think our listeners would 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 get a lot out of listening to their podcast as well. So we had two podcasts this week to recommend, and uh, I don't know, Kikau, I I think we got a hit on our hands now. I mean, this is we're really good. <laughs> I think so too. You know, at the very least, um, we're, I know that you and I are going to have fun putting this together and I'm excited for, um, our listeners to, to come, uh, with us on this journey. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. And, and I can't wait to share some of these inspiring, uh, people that we have lined up for the, this first semester, uh, that we've got here. We've got some really, really wonderful people that, that, that I know I'm going to learn from, and I'm hopeful that our, our listeners will too. So send us a message. Uh, follow us on Instagram. Uh, you know, uh, Send us a message about things that you'd like to have us discuss, questions that you have about teaching musical theater, and we'll be sure to, uh, to address them. You can also email us at carefullytaughtpodcast at gmail, and uh, we're going we're gonna to release an episode every other week this first semester and see how it goes. And... Uh, and yeah, 
Yeah, I think we knocked that out of the park. I really do. I love it. Thanks, Maddie. <laughs> Thanks, Geek Al. I'll see you in a, a, a bit. Music for Carefully Taught was provided by Joshua Haig. For more information, visit joshuahaigmusic.com. Music.